This is Mission.org. Hey, Marketing Trends fans. This is Ben. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that we are going to be at Dreamforce in San Francisco this year. We're doing a few sessions, including a live recording on Tuesday, the 19th of November at the Pied Piper Bar in the Palace Hotel. So come say hi. We'd love to see you. And we hope to see you all there. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Hello, and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. Today's episode features an interview with Aditi Javeri Gokhale, Chief Commercial Officer and President of Investment Products and Services at Northwestern Mutual. On this episode, Aditi talks about transformation and how to enact rapid change, She also talks about delivering personalized content, how to continuously evolve and tweak your marketing, and much more. Enjoy. Marketing Trends is created by the team at Mission.org and sponsored by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click the link in the show notes. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And on the other line, Aditi, what's going on? How are you? Yeah, it's a great day. I am so excited to learn more things about your career, all things Northwestern Mutual. But first, how did you get into marketing in the first place? So that's an interesting question. This is uh, truly my second role as chief marketing officer. My experience hasn't actually been very typical. My background has been more around being a general manager in the digital technology and marketing space. And, you know, to be honest with you, I've sort of chosen every career opportunity based on the complexity at hand. So I just like solving complex problems. And so most of the roles I've taken have been around transformation or turnarounds I've worked at large companies like an American Express, Northwestern Mutual, Booz Allen, and then I've also worked at startups that is like a Shutterstock or LearnVest, which is how I joined even Northwestern Mutual. And so the evolution of like becoming the chief marketing officer, by the way, I'm the first chief marketing officer for Northwestern Mutual, was more because of the fact that the company is undergoing a massive transformation from a client experience perspective. And if you think about marketing, marketing is at the helm of that transformation. And so I came in as the CMO for LearnVest and then very quickly became the head of consumer marketing for Northwestern Mutual. And then my um, CEO reached out to me and talked about this role and I jumped at the opportunity. Yeah. And so you recently had a, had a, uh, a role change into the chief commercial officer. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. So that's been, that's super recent. It's literally as of two weeks ago. So in my, so chief commercial officer, and what does that entail? I still oversee marketing communications. About four or five months ago, I started leading corporate strategy for the company. And so chief commercial officer really oversees these three major functions. And then I'm also now overseeing, uh, my, so it's chief commercial officer and president of the investment products and services which is our investment business. So Northwestern Mutual, you know, has two massive sort of product and services. One is in the insurance business, and then there's also the investments business. So I am now overseeing that part too. 
Wonderful. Always fun to see. You know, we recently um, had on uh, a few guests that went from CMO to COO. So it, it's cool to see kind of the evolution of CMO roles and, and how those get into different things. Did you find that shifting that thinking and taking on those additional responsibilities was like a logical extension of of marketing, of, you know, getting the product in front of people? Absolutely. Um, I've never seen myself as a typical CMO, right? I've always sort of had a very business mindset at hand. And, you know, you and I both know gone on the days of just branding and advertising and creating commercials, right? It's more around building the best experiences for your consumer, whether it's in our case, whether it's our advisor or whether it's our, the end consumer. And so, you know, the evolution of the marketing uh, function within Northwestern Mutual was the way I evolved it was more really what's, what's the right thing for the business as a, uh, and what are the problems we're trying to solve. And so when I was asked to take over corporate strategy, the, the overlap in between what we were doing in terms of problem solving from a marketing perspective and what we had to do from a corporate strategy perspective was a natural overlap. And now, really, when you think about the investment side of the business, making that uh, differentiating from a value proposition and communications perspective would be the next challenge. I want to know, how did you get involved with uh, Northwestern Mutual in the first place? I know you, you touched on it a little bit at the, uh, at the beginning, but uh, I'm curious, you know, what was the path there? So I have been a customer of Northwestern Mutual. I bought my first policy with Northwestern Mutual. This is even before I took the role, right? So I've known the company for a very long time. Uh, and I've had my advisor, um, my financial advisor with Northwestern Mutual. But, you know, if I think about sort of my career trajectory and the roles I've taken, uh, from an industry perspective, Ian, I feel like as I think about my role now and even going forward, there are sort of three industries that are near and dear to my heart. One is health, the other is financial security, and the third now that I have a, you know, I have a 12-year-old boy education. And so when I first was uh, approached from a LearnVest perspective, which, which was acquired by Northwestern Mutual, I was excited about the opportunity just from an industry perspective, it meant a lot to me. I can relate to the product, I can relate to the value proposition. Financial security is so important in this day and age with the ever-changing climate of the economy. So that was, that was sort of the first thing. The second thing was around what I mentioned earlier around problem solving. Northwestern Mutual is a 161-year-old company, 30 billion in uh, revenues. It's a mutual, it's a private company and is undergoing a massive transformation. So that was the second reason why I thought this was an interesting opportunity. A, the value proposition, B, the, the problem at hand. And then of course, the leadership. Uh, you know, I have a tremendous amount of respect for my CEO and my peers and the talent that we have. And so it was, it was sort of a no-brainer. When you came into the role and into a company that has been around for, you know, over well over 150 years, I, I want to talk about change for a little bit. What was it like to step into, you know, the shoes of something that has been around for so long that is push the pace of innovation over the years, but potentially has, you know, exciting opportunities or challenges that you wanted to address? Sure. So some of sort of the early learnings that I had was, first of all, given that I was the first CMO for the company, there were positives and negatives, right? Because the positives are you can kind of draft your own job description to a certain extent, right? 
saying that this is what I want to do. And so there was a little bit of uh, a conversation that happened with me and my, my leaders around, this is what I think the role of a CMO for a company that is undergoing transformation needs to be. So that was exciting. But then, you know, the, the downside of that is marketing as a, as a department was operated much more of a support function. So there had to be a level of education in terms of what is the power of marketing and what can marketing do for this company, because it is a B2B2C model. So that took a, a lot of changing of people's mindsets, influencing, building relationships, listening to your employees, listening to your advisors to figure out what they think about the brand. So that's what I did in my uh, first, I would say, 60, 90 days. That's pretty, wow, that's crazy that there was never a CMO there before. Was there some sort of like institutional stuff that you kind of had to work through there to, of like why having a CMO would be so important? There was, I mean, clearly uh, my leader, my CEO uh, saw the value of it. So I think that was a good launching point. But, you know, it required a lot of navigation. It required influencing. It required sort of proving yourself early on with some quick wins. But nothing unusual in terms of any of my prior roles. And I think that's what gets me excited is it's not a job. It's sort of like making change happen, not just from a consumer perspective, but also from a culture and company perspective. Yeah, that's so fascinating. I mean, it's kind of indicative, perhaps, of kind of a larger trend about like the role of the CMO. Did you feel throughout this process or talking to your peers or other CMOs that your story might not be that unique, that there's a lot of organizations who potentially didn't realize they needed a CMO that actually do? Yeah, I mean, there were there were a few similarities and then there were a few differences, right? So the similarities are around the change that marketing has undergone in the last five years and about to go, right? In terms of the impact of marketing, uh, as I mentioned before, is gone from traditional brand marketers to more data-driven marketing, to more performance marketing. So I think there were a lot of similarities there that it's becoming much more of a ROI-focused, impact-driven industry, which is exciting. I think some of the differences are that this is a fairly unique company because it's, uh, first of all, financially really strong, right? So we've been operating and we are operating and we're undergoing a transformation from a position of strength. One of the four or five companies in the United States that's uh, AAA rated by all the rating agencies. That's what I mean by financially strong. So I think the differences were that it's a, it's a private company, it's a mutual. There isn't a sense of urgency that I typically used to have in my prior roles where there were public companies and I had to sort of deliver from a quarter to quarter to quarter perspective. So I think that was a little different. And then also, I think what was different was the education and the influencing that had to happen early on probably a lot more within the company just because the department existed much more as a support function than when I would talk to some of my other CMO friends that you see in a typical public company. I want to talk about dating apps for a second because uh, you have you have a great piece on this that you wrote <laughs> about uh, about how you use dating dating apps to rebrand some of the website stuff. But um, why were you so enthralled <laughs> by dating sites for inspiration? This is an interesting story, right? So let me give you a little bit of an overview of uh, how this sort of inspiration came about. Uh, we did a lot of research as we were thinking about our campaign, our first brand campaign, in terms of 
what are some of the barriers that consumers, uh, our prospects have in meeting with our advisor? You know, our model is an advisor-driven, financial advisor-driven model, right? And why don't people, what are the barriers? And loud and clear was the fact of a fear of judgment, anxiety, not understanding anything about money. There were a lot of these barriers. And what we realized is to get our prospects to talk to an advisor, the similarities there is like going on a blind date, right? There's anxiety. Am I going to like this person? What am I going to say? How am I going to look? You know, all of that. Yeah, no, there's a little judgment. You there's know, you, judgment, you, there's anxiety, you don't right? Sh- you want to share personal things, but you also don't want to share personal things. I'm with you. All right. Exactly. With you. So what we wanted to do was we wanted to create an environment where we wanted to overcome those barriers and create an environment which was inviting, warm, and friendly. And so that's what we did when we rehauled NorthwesternMutual.com. So before even launching the brand campaign, we wanted to make sure our destination, which in this case was our website, was warm and inviting. And so it was earlier, you know, it was much more of a corporate website, and then we had to completely rehaul it and made it much more of a consumer-driven website. So as part of that, what we wanted to do was we created an algorithm, a matching algorithm, where we were matching our prospects with the right advisors. And so the kind of questions we asked were not around how much money do you make and what's your household income and you know uh, when do you want to retire? We really wanted to ask our prospects about their hopes, goals, and dreams. And so that was the algorithm that we built behind the scenes. But even if you look at how we connect a prospect to an advisor, the inspiration sort of came from looking at a bunch of dating apps. So for example, if producer Ben is saving up and really wants to get a Yeti cooler because I know he always writes that into my show notes um, every time. I feel like there's subtle hints there. I don't know if he wants like end year bonus for a Yeti cooler. I don't know. But uh, so let's say producer Ben wants a Yeti cooler and, you know, he goes to the Northwestern Mutual website. Is this something that like, is that the kind of thing that you're talking about where it's not necessarily like, big picture forward. It's like, Hey, let's take the first step of let's take trying the first to figure step, out exactly. one thing. It's let's take the first step. And it's also around goals, right? So what are the goals and the goals do not have to be. And what we saw with most of the financial services, our competitors, they were talking about retirement and 401ks and all of that. You know, some of the stuff that we've asked is, do you want to start a family? Do you want to buy a home? Do you want to pay off your student debt? Those are more immediate concerns with prospects than only just thinking about what am I going to do uh, when I'm 65 years old, right? So we wanted to make sure that the questions we asked were relatable. That's one. And then we also wanted to make sure, so for example, and I'll give you an example of if you're a doctor, we want to make sure we match you with advisors that basically have a background and experience around managing finances for doctors. Because as you know, with doctors early on in their career, they're taking on a lot of debt, right? In terms of loans and things like that, they really start to make money in their mid thirties. And so we want to make sure that we're matching the right prospect with the right advisor and the right background with the advisor. Yeah. I want to go into that a little bit more. And and this can start tying into some of the data stuff that, that you started talking about. And I wanted to get into Because I think that there's so much about financial planning and literacy, which by the way, you know, if Northwestern Mutual wants to start sponsoring some high schools to do some financial, financial literacy, like, I feel like that's a great marketing campaign Mm -hmm. we should, we Mm -hmm. should work on because I know every single high school needs that. But I think it's one of those things that like, part of the reason when you see, especially the commercials on TV about it, like you said, you don't actually 
feel like it's attainable. And I struggle to see a lot of good marketing campaigns that are like human centric Mm -hmm. of I was in the same place as you were, because I think that that's one of the things about being, you know, being young. And if your parents were horrible at saving, then it's going to be really difficult for you to imagine you to be able to save. If none of your friends are saving or if your friends don't necessarily know the right, quote unquote, right things to do, hey, you should be putting money into a Roth IRA or whatever it is. All those things are just extremely challenging. And I think that there's just so much room in the market to use data to match people to more similar, you know, whether it's backgrounds as yourself or a type of person that's a closer match to what you're talking about. Like you said, you know, if you're a doctor, you want to talk to, you know, an advisor that works with a lot of other doctors. So you don't have to explain all the things about your income and all those. I'm curious, you know, how have you, not just from a product perspective, but from that customer experience perspective and from a marketing perspective, how do you speak to people on a more one-to-one basis than kind of the traditional one-to-many TV advertising kind of spray and pray? Yeah, so let me uh, let me talk a little bit about at a very broad level around the campaign and then get into how we drove the campaign into one-to-one marketing, right? So you hit on a very important point, which is financial services companies. So, so just a little bit of a background there. I took the role about two plus years ago. I was announced as CMO June of 2017. And we had to make a decision about whether to continue with the advertising that occurred or or whether to completely switch gears and come out with a true full funnel 360 brand campaign for the company. And I had just about hired my VP of marketing and my creative director. And we sort of went into a room. I still remember that and said, are we going to do this or are we just going to go with the flow? And we said, no, we're going to be game changers and we're going to try to do this. And that campaign had to launch in on December 23rd. So I had about three to four months to completely figure out a new idea and new creative and do a full final campaign. So that was the setup. I love it. That sounds about right. Yeah, but that's just, that's why I took the role, right? If, if I just wanted to continue doing what we were doing, then I would not have probably taken the role. So this comes back to sort of the trying to solve complex problems and challenges. So what we did was we did a lot of research, quantitative, qualitative, you know, and I'm a data geek at heart, right? You know that. I basically went to MIT as an undergrad and then was a sucker for punishment, so went back to Sloan. So (laughs) I, I love data. And so we did a lot of research and we looked at what was going on in the industry and pretty much everybody was talking about financial planning, financial security as a tomorrow business, right? It was all about the future. And based on the insights we gathered, irrespective of age, gender, demographic, expertise, the one universal insight that continuously came back to us, which was unique, was this constant tug of war that consumers feel in between living for today and saving for tomorrow, right? And we continuously heard, today's on fire. I need to send my kid to college. I need to buy a home. I need to start a family. I need to pay student debt. And yes, I know I'm supposed to be saving in my 401k, but today's on fire. So that was the insight that we hung on. And we basically said this campaign is going to be around this insight because it's unique. No one else in the industry is talking about it. And by the way, it is completely what our prospects are saying that today is on fire. So we want to make it relatable. So that was the sort of the basis of spend your life living. And we reframed the consumer promise of being a tomorrow business to a today business. You with me so far? 
Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you so far. I'm, oh, I'm, so then, I'm, I'm ready for how you're going to do this in three months, though. That's my, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for that. It's all oh, good in theory. There are some really interesting uh, uh, things that happen. So, so we got, we got all this stuff. We said, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna launch this campaign, spend your life living, moving from a consumer problem of a tomorrow to a today business. We're gonna launch four ads, and by the way, we had to come up. We came up with four ad spots for different life stages, right? So we had an ad spot for a couple with a young child, a family that's sending their kid to college, and also, by the way, for the first time, uh, we came up with an all women's ad spot and a full funnel campaign for women, right? So I'll talk a little bit about that. So, so then we we knew that we had to launch it on television, but we wanted to really drive home through digital. Uh, to this new northwesternmutual.com website. And we also wanted to make sure that when we were measuring ourselves, it was not just about building brand awareness, but it was what I, what I tell the team over and over again. The strategy has to be brand awareness to action. And an action can be a lead, an action can be a sale, or an action can be a social engagement, but we need to make sure that we drive action. So when you talk about your question about how do you go from this sort of broad-based marketing to one-to-one marketing, the measure was that if we don't get any kind of action, we don't take credit for it. That's one. But the second thing was after launching the ad spots and because the ad spots really resonated with our customers, we drove all our marketing efforts into digital. So whether it's digital marketing, whether it's content creation, whether it's social media, and that's how we translated it from just a broad-based TV, a set of TV ad spots to sort of one-to-one marketing. Make sense? Well, yes, it does make sense. And I'm curious when someone engages on the site and I've gone through the, uh, I've gone through the funnel. So I know what it's like always in preparation for the interview. Got to, got to do the prep here. Um, One of the things that, that stood out to me too is, you know, when you're talking about the stages is this idea that you have people self-select in at the beginning, but then when you're serving other things, how potentially out of place it could feel to get served something like a, you know, life insurance when you are, you know, let's say looking to pay for college, for example, or something like that. Right. Right. Um, so it, it has a potential there with the personalization, if you get it wrong, to be extremely jarring or weird or just like clearly you don't like you're pretending like you get me, but you don't actually get me. I'm curious, how do you how do you adjust for those type of like those personas that you talked about, those life stage personas to make sure that they are getting served up things that they might be interested in, but not not overserve things that they that they shouldn't. So I think when when we think about personalized marketing, right, it's not a one size fits all strategy. So even though our theme was spend your life living and we were talking about a life stage in a TV ad spot about, let's just say, starting a family. The content depends on the intent of the prospect and where they are in the funnel. So if you are talking about publishing content, we weren't going to say, okay, starting a family and then buy life insurance, right? It would be education about what it takes from a financial security perspective. What, what would it cost? What would it take? You know, what does it mean by starting a family? And so the content has to be very relevant. And again, we're not in the business. And this is where I feel like we are very unique as a company, we're not in the business of just trying to sell you something that you don't want, right? We want to make sure that you feel good about the transaction. We want to make sure. And so the first point of contact is talk to an advisor. It's free to talk to an advisor. You don't even have to buy anything. And I think that was the big 
shift that we wanted to do because at the end of the day, we want to make sure financial security is what people understand. And one other thing, Ian, when we did our research and we asked prospects, what does their version of financial planning mean? We got responses from, oh, I have a budget. I have post-its on my computer to I have no idea what financial planning is. So coming back to the educational aspects of things, we wanted to make sure we took the first step in getting them connected to an advisor versus selling product. Also, create content and advertising based on the intent of the prospect. If you are like ready to buy and if you are clicking an ad on Google that basically says you're interested in life insurance, we'll take you down the path of providing you with life insurance options. But if you just want to talk to an advisor, then we're not going to take you down that path. So we are today, I would say 60, 70 channels uh, from a marketing perspective, and we create content based on the stage you are at. Yeah, I, I, I want to talk about that. I, there's a definition of branded content, which I love, which is um, giving the, your audience a gift with an expectation of nothing in return, which I always think is, is, is really elegant, but also kind of silly from a marketing perspective, because there is something that we want to give people, uh, or we want to give people, but we do want it to get something else. It seems like this campaign is really centered around providing you know, financial literacy and help to people with the idea that hopefully they choose Northwestern Mutual, but the understanding that if even if they can get ahead in their 20s, earlier in their career, in their 30s, that it sets you up for the future, right? It seems like this yeah, campaign... Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's not so much so when I talk about the campaign and moving from brand to brand to action, the ultimate goal was to drive, you know, make money also, right? It's not about financial literacy and education. I think why this campaign, and by the way, the results were very stellar. Our leads were up 500%. Our sales were up. It was considered to be one of the most successful, most successful campaigns in the history of the company, of course, but also within the category, just from a sheer KPI perspective. I think what consumers want today, the basis is they want to be able to relate to a company and the company's value proposition, and they need to be able to relate to the message. So what Spend Your Life Living did was it became very relevant to our prospects based on the messaging and based on the, the rich storytelling that we had versus what was going on in the industry. And so that's what connected them and that's what got them to talk to an advisor, buy product if they wanted to, or even engage in our social channels kind of where I was getting with that was yep. this idea that it can't just be financial literacy for the sake of financial literacy, right. because you could go to a million different websites or nerd wallet or whatever you wanted to go to, to go try to find some content about, you know, that the problem is where I think people are is at the end of the day, they want to talk to a human being yes. and they want help on their situation because that's the difficult part yep. is there's so much content out there now that all of those things are a means to an end to get to the point where someone is actually helping you make the decisions because you're not a professional. That's absolutely right. And the other underlying theme that you just identified as we looked at the category and we looked at the drivers within the category, right? For people to consider a financial services company, one of the category drivers was, is this a company for someone like me? First of all, I always say this to my team. It's a highly emotional category. When you talk about money, 
people are not as rational, both you and I know, right? It's an emotional conversation to have about financial security and all of that stuff. And secondly, the category driver was, is this a company? Because it's very personal. My financial situation is extremely different to somebody else's. So one of the things we wanted to make sure is as we think about content, as we think about marketing, it has to be relatable and it has to be personal. And we have definitely added that within our team, within our content. Uh, We've got, you know, on nm.com, we've got a life and money. That was the other rehaul that we did content. We've got, you know, how do you think about money in the 20s, 30s? And we've got these guides that we provide to people for free. And then the call to action being that they could speak to somebody, you know, at at the end of that, at the end of the rainbow there. Mm -hmm. That's the call to action. And, you know, you also get, data around what's happening with the prospects, right? Whether they're engaging with the content and that's all the behind the scenes stuff that that happens. Final question on this campaign. I'm curious, as it shifted into sales responsibilities, was there any issues or potential, and, and maybe it's just a good problem to have, but with lead gen where expectations didn't necessarily, you know, the, the promise of marketing didn't necessarily get delivered from a sales perspective, because, you know, a lot of these things are, like you said, so personal and money is already a difficult thing, but buying a house is all is compounds that or going to college or whatever it is, uh, or supporting your parents. So that level of emotion that you kind of promise in marketing sometimes, you know, in sales is tough to deliver. I'm curious if, you know, kind of how that, how that transaction, you know, took place. So the way we measured ourselves, right, is around pivoting from showing our results in terms of this is the awareness numbers that we generated and this is the buzz in terms of traffic that came to the website as we launched this campaign and and graded ourselves all through the year through KPIs around lead generation, lead to sales conversion, sales, within sales, what are the products, Uh, And this is only on the digital side of things. And of course, there is a whole referral model and there is a whole halo effect to that, right? So we we had tagged everything. And that's what I mean by data-driven marketing. We wanted to make sure we weren't just launching the campaign and rehauling all our digital destinations, but also making sure we were tracking the success of the campaign uh, and building that foundation. And by the way, we even changed the definition of what we mean by a lead, just so that you know. We now define a lead as someone who has raised their hand, for the lack of a better word, to speak to an advisor. So you cannot be a lead if you've just read an article on life and money. So we were being very critical of ourselves in terms of the results that we wanted to drive. And they did show big results uh, in terms of the impact of the campaign. And it continues to. So we are now in year two of the campaign. And we're still seeing similar uh, results and growth, which has made our, um, you know, internal stakeholders extremely happy. Yeah, I'm curious, you as a data lover, a data enthusiast, what would be some things that were some kind of mistakes that you made early on with data, things that maybe you didn't have enough data or you were jumping to conclusions. I'm curious if there's any things that, uh, that you, any do-overs that you would have in your career when it comes to data. So I think, I think, and this is something that we all struggle with Ian around data-driven marketing, right? There's more data than we need at this point. And you've got all kinds of companies promising you in terms of attribution and we can do it better than this one. You know what I'm talking about, right? I think more than a mistake, I think one of the things that we have to be very you know, conscious of as we move forward is 
the making sure that we have the right data, the right definition of the data, the right tagging of data, but data really drives the what, right? Marketers then need to go deeper and think about how this is done from an insights perspective. So, you know, as we think about the future of marketing and as we think about when we say data-driven decisions, it is really the insights that come out of it and then the flawless execution of those insights, that's going to separate the successful marketers from the not-so-successful marketers. So case in point, you know, when we looked at the data for the campaign, we got all kinds of, you know, oh, we could go this way and we could go that way. And then we really hung, and again, it was a bet and we could have failed on this one insight that came about based on all the research that we did. And so that worked. Now one can, one can say that, you know what, if the campaign hadn't worked, we would have, uh, we would have said it was the wrong insight. I think that's not the way to look at it. I think the way to look at it is that if you feel like you're not succeeding based on your implementation, you've got to continuously evolve and tweak it. So the matching algorithm on nm.com, right? It was a start. We continue to have experiments and we, we run thousands of experiments, by the way, from a performance marketing perspective, and we're continuously tweaking based on things that are working and things that are not working. So that I would say has been a learning for me even before this job is that if you fail, you fail fast and you continuously evolve and tweak and we have the ability, the tools, the technology now in marketing to be able to do that in a much more sophisticated way than we had five years ago. Yeah. And, you know, you you wrote about a piece or you wrote a piece that I thought was really interesting about the campaign that you did. Uh, if it was up hashtag, if it was up to my kid and yeah. leveraging some really cool data in commissioning a study where 80 percent of parents said that the memories they cherish cherish most with their families were made at home. Yes. And that 80, 85% of parents said that their families would spend more time together at home if it were fun, uh, which I love. But like things like that, where you can take leverage data that things that you create or, or find or whatever it is, and try to create a campaign around those particular points. Correct. I think is so fascinating. And then how to do that? Well, you know, in this case, you use the YouTube influencers to create content, yep. but- I just love that approach of finding those specific human-centric things that people are thinking and then kind of going about your campaigns that way and to dig deeper into it. It's, it's just a great use of data. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly what I mean, whether it was, and thank you for mentioning if it was up to my kid, because that was a start. And so let me give you a story about that, right? So that was, we got the research back and we, we realized exactly what you said. And so we did a social campaign where we asked people, uh, in fact, kids, to come up with the room of their dreams. And then it was just sort of one of those contests, right? So we learned from that. But what we did with that and what I mean by then taking that kind of work, learning from it, and then trying to scale it is that the next campaign that we had, which was uh, Money Mates. So what we did is we know that there is a high correlation in between life stages and financial planning. One of the life stage is when you're getting married. And so what we, what the theme that we came up with is you can be soulmates, but finances is also important. So are you guys, are you money mates, right? And that was our first, based on the learnings of our previous, if it was up to my kid campaign, that was our first full funnel PR social media campaign uh, where we again leveraged influencers. We created a money mates quiz 
for a couple to complete the quiz independently and then to share that information. So we kind of did a little bit of gamification there. We added content, we had influencers, but it was again to a topic around a life stage that matters. And it's not just about getting married. It's about making sure that you as a couple are on the same page before you get married. Right? So it was one of those, again, unique insights. It was extremely successful. We ran it. It still continues. But for the first 10 weeks, we got about, I believe, about 600,000 social engagements, 24 million impressions. It really, really worked. We got coverage on people and uh, lifestyle. So we really moved from being a financial services company into more of a lifestyle brand. And that was based on this one insight that we wanted to make sure when you're getting married, you're also talking about money. As if marriage isn't scary enough. Jeez, you had to go there. Find your compatibility. Come on. Uh, no, I, I, I love it. It, it is, uh, it's a great point. There's a great book about the, you know, the family as a business unit and how uh, if you treat your family like a business, uh, financially, you'll be on much better footing. Um, but anywho, I digress. So as you came into the role and built a team around this, uh, this three-month mission that you had, this little uh, mini rebuild here, I'm curious, like, how has your leadership style changed? How did you approach this? How do you approach building a team and, and finding talent? So I'm glad you asked that question, Ian, because I think as we think about marketing in the future, and I've touched upon technology and data, I think the third piece that is extremely critical as you think about insights-driven marketing is talent and making sure you're hiring the right talent. And so I spend, you know, now uh, more so, but even earlier on, this has been one of my things in terms of making sure I'm building the right team, hiring the right team, and then also developing the team. And, you know, earlier on in my tenure as CMO, I hired talent that I knew from my prior life. So when I talked about, you know, getting my VP of marketing and my creative director, all of those people, but now more so I spend more time around uh, developing talent, mentoring, which is important to me as, as a leader. Uh, but I also think it's important to make sure that you empower your team to succeed, right? So there's that. My leadership style has probably not changed, but there are a few things that I do which are near and dear to me. What you see is what you get. I'm a completely transparent person. My team knows exactly where I am. If I have to go for my son's tennis match, I let them know, including my leaders. I'm not one of those leaders who says I have a dentist appointment and goes for a school outing because I think as a woman, uh, you've got to be okay. And this is more me personally, that there is a life outside of work too, and you just have to balance the two. And so that's, that's one thing. The second is, you know, I always say egos at the door. We really work as a team in, we, we roll up our sleeves if I have to get into the details. So coming back to the campaign, how the heck did you do that in three months? So essentially we had a, a mobile editing studio as we were going about filming the campaign, like the, the, the ad spots, my creative director would send them to me and wherever I was in New York or Milwaukee, I would huddle on the side, look at the creative and give a response back real time. So we had to really cut corners in those kind of ways, but we got very creative. So I think the second thing is just 
we work very well as a team. There is no sort of I'm CMO and you're a manager and you're this. And we give very, very real feedback when it comes to the success or the failures of whatever we're doing. So that's, I think, the second piece of it. And then I think in my terms of my leadership style, which now more so with my new role that I'm starting to do is trying to get myself out of some of the details. I tend to love doing that because as I said, I'm a data-driven person. So I love yeah, you getting my like you love, Yeah, it seems like you love the details. I love the details, yes. But but I, I, I there are only 24 hours in the day now, so... <laughs> So I got to I got to start moving away from some of that stuff. And in fact, the next evolution of the campaign, to be very honest with you, we're launching a new one uh, and it's an evolved one uh, in 2020. I have definitely not been as hands on. The team's really taken charge and I've been just giving a little bit of feedback here and there. So that's been, I think, a change over the last uh, couple of years. All right, let's get into the lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing automation with Pardot. You can go to pardot.com slash podcast to learn more about B2B marketing on the world's number one CRM. That is Salesforce. We love Pardot. You love Pardot. They support this podcast and bring all this content to all of you for free. So check them out, pardot.com slash podcast. Lightning round questions. Aditi, are you ready? I am ready. Number one, what is your favorite vacation spot? Italy. Favorite ad campaign that you've seen recently that you're envious of? No, that, that isn't any. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's the honest truth. I hear you. Uh, favorite book or podcast that you've read or listened to recently? Oh, I'm reading Team of Rivals. Favorite thing to cook or eat? Thai food. What is your best advice for a first-time CMO? Listen, lean in. So listen to your customers, your prospects, your employees. Lean into your team and then look at the data. What either technology or thing about marketing are you most excited about for the future? AI. What? question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often what do you do for fun what do you do for fun <laughs> i um i just love watching reality television oh no kidding i do what can i say we all have our vices. Yes. Aditi, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Any final thoughts? Any things to plug? No, this has been great. Thanks, Ian. I truly, truly enjoyed uh, chatting with you and, uh, you know, looking forward to connecting soon. Awesome. Take care. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is created by the team at Mission.org and sponsored by Salesforce Pardot. World-class marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click on the link in the show notes.
you have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.